This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Good Nerev Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. Wonderful to be with you on Chai FM. And it's Erev Shabbos of another incredible Parsha in this incredible month of Elul. And the Parsha has so much, so very much to teach us. This is the month in which we're getting ready for Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of creation of man. And simultaneously, the anniversary of when man first crowned God king of the universe. Obviously, God is the owner, the creator. God, this is your world. Nevertheless, he desired to have man crown him as king. For the well-known teaching is that a person is only a king when strangers coronate him as king, when strangers accept his rules and his laws. So, of course, Hashem has the angels whom he created on the second day of creation who sing his praises. And, of course, Hashem has the intense spiritual worlds which he created first. But it is only in this physical world where we don't see Hashem, where there's a distance, that we have an opportunity to make God king over all of creation. We're taught there's no such thing as a king without a nation. There's no such thing as a nation without a king. A king a ruler, someone to look up to and be inspired by, which is the Jewish definition of a king. The Jewish king had to be holier, had to be loftier, had to be more connected to Hashem. And through his example and through his teachings, he could bring the people close to the Creator and close to God's intention for the universe and for them as individuals. The Parsha this week is about going out to battle. What is the battle? The battle is basically to turn materiality and physicality into spirituality. We are told God took spirituality and made it physical. He took spiritual, ruchnius, and he made it gashmius. He made it corporeal. He made it physical. The job of the Jew is to take the physical and to make it spiritual, to release the spiritual truth in every encounter, in every element, in everything that's in the world. Our job is to encounter and embrace the world, not to run away, but to immerse ourselves, to live in nature, and nevertheless, to reveal in everything we do and say the spirituality, the holiness, to reveal the Creator in the creation. Now, of course, the battle that Moshe is talking about in the Parsha is a physical battle, but it's also a spiritual battle. When Moshe says, when you will go out to do battle with your enemy. And beautifully, as the Rebbe points out, when you go out to do battle, not against your enemy, but on your enemy, 
indicates that we have the inborn power to overpower. We are, the way God set up the world, able to be aloe vecha over our enemy. But the work needs to be done by us. We are called the army of God. We marched out of Egypt, Tzivot Hashem, Tzivis Hashem. We are the army of God. We are also the servants of God. We are the children of God. What's the difference between the three? Rosh Hashanah time will come, and we will ask Hashem to judge us, whether as sons or as servants. Well, a son is very loyal to his father. A servant is loyal to his master. And a soldier is loyal to the general, who is loyal to the king. But the way a soldier goes into battle surpasses the devotion of the servant, of the slave. The servant is dedicated, but a soldier knows that no matter what, he goes into battle to the death, to the finish. A soldier knows that he has to have total mesiras nefesh. And we, the children of Hashem, serve Hashem as his servants, as his children. But ultimately, our job in this world is to be the army of God. That nothing stands in the way of the goal. And the goal is to make a dwelling place for God in this world. Rosh Hashanah will come and it will be the anniversary of creation of man. And despite the fact that man was created on the sixth day of creation, we will say, We will say this day, the sixth day of creation, the first day of Tishrei, is the beginning of your works. It is a memorial to the first day. The first day was the 25th day of the month of Elul. Why is Rosh Hashanah not on the 25th day of the month of Elul? Because essentially it was only when man was created that everything that God had created ahead of time began to work. Because everything was prepared ahead of man. Man is, as it were, the purpose of creation. Man was the guest for whom everything was ready. And when he came on the sixth day, everything began to function. We, the children of man, are the servants of God. And we, the Jewish nation, are the army of God. We'll speak a little more about that after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 High FM, and we are talking the Parsha. Now, the Parshas that we've come from, the last few Parshas, have led us up to this Parsha. The Parsha, two weeks ago, was Parsha's Re'eh. It's about choices. God says, Behold, I place before you this day blessing and curse, and you shall choose life. Last week's parsha was about putting judges and sheriffs in all your gateways, in all your cities, and at the entrance of your cities. And this week is the parsha about going out to battle. What is the connection between the three? We live in a world 
where it's up to us. The truth is, there are no physical policemen and judges in our homes with us at all times. Yes, we are meant to develop inner judges and inner sheriffs to direct and to guide and to help us make the right journey in life, to help us make the right choices. And we are told that the gates are our eyes through which things from the outside world come in, through our ears, through, through which things come in from the outside world, through our noses, hmm, and through our mouths. Things come in, but things also go out. And we are meant to choose correctly where to look and how to look, what to listen to, and whom to listen to. What smells right? Where should we be allowing our nose to lead us onwards and to draw us there? And our mouth, the things that go in and the things that come out, are all part of who we are and what we become. And now it's time to go out and do battle because life is a lifelong struggle between the material and the spiritual, the higher and the lower, the animalistic and the godly soul. Everything is a choice. Should I say it? Should I not say it? Should I listen to it? Should I close my ears? Should I eat it? Should I not eat it? Should I look there? Should I close my eyes? The gates of our body need to be carefully, carefully monitored. And we need to choose between blessing and curse in our daily lives at every step. So we go out to do battle, fortified by the Parshas before. And let's remember that a few Parshas ago, we read the Shema. There's another way of using the Shema to fortify ourselves against the world. We say, Shema Yisrael, understand Israel, internalize Shema, listen and let it become part of you, understand. Hashem, transcendent God is Elokeinu, He is our power. We have the power to win this battle. Hashem, transcendent God, the God who is above any limitation, he is Echod. He is the only one. There is no power or force outside of him. He has created everything. And he has created and directed everything because it's all part of the big plan. And the word Echod can be divided into three. The first letter, Aleph, the second letter, Ches, the third letter, Dalid. The Aleph is numerically one, the Ches is eight, the Dalid is four. What is the one? The one is God, unified. And the name for that first letter is Aleph. And the word Aleph 
is not only the name of a letter, but it's a word. Aleph, aluf, is a general. Aluf is God himself who is in charge of every battle, who sends us out to every battle, whose soldiers we are. He is alufo shel olam. He is the general of the world, the director of the world. He makes the strategy for the world. But the world, the word world is also, it shares a root with the word hidden. He is the master of the hidden. He is the one who knows what is behind the hidden. And because he's in the hidden, there's intense light in the hidden. And that is the job of the Jew, to reveal the godliness, to reveal the spirituality in the hidden. That's the Aleph from Echad. Then there's a Ches. The Ches is the number eight, which indicates the seven heavens and earth below. God has made strategies, plans, everything is interacting because he is the general of not only the heavens, not only the seven heavens, but this entire world. And then the Dalid, the four corners of the world, the number four, he has given it over to us to reveal the godliness that exists in the north and the south and the east and the west, from one end of the world to the other. It's all part of his big plan, and we are all part of his intention, his hope, to be able to have a dwelling place down here in this world. So before Rosh Hashanah, the Parsha is read about going out to do battle. And when we go out to do battle, and we are the soldiers of God, there is a uniform. And part of the Shema, the third section, speaks about a uniform. It speaks about something called tzitzit. And this uniform is armor. This uniform is protection. This uniform is a reminder of who we are, what we're supposed to do, and in truth guides us to where and how to do it. Because this uniform, the tzitzit, is not only something of a mitzvah, as it were, but it contains a powerful, powerful message of reminder. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. And I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM, and we are talking about doing battle. Life is one ongoing battle. My father used to sing, the bear climbed over the mountain. And what do you think he saw? He saw another mountain. So what do you think he did? He climbed the other mountain. And that's what we need to do. We need to meet our challenges. They are all part of God's plan for us. The strategy to make this world a dwelling place for him. What an honor. What a privilege. But it's hard work. And the hard work extends to every area of creation, to every area of what we call nature. Hashem is everywhere, and He keeps on putting challenges in place. But His mitzvahs are the armor, the garments, the protection. And in the third part of the Shema, one wonders, why would the mitzvah of tzitzit, 
the mitzvah to wear a four-cornered garment that has fringes and knots with, in the time of the temple, a blue thread, be part of the Shema. So the Shema begins by saying, understand that our power is godly and that God is one. There is nothing that happens that isn't sent from him and there's nothing that we can't pray to him for. And at the ending, it speaks about Hashem asking Moshe to speak to the people and speak to them in every manner, harshly and gently, to beg and plead them, please make for yourself these fringes on the corners of your garments, and they will be revealed. They will stick out and you will see them and they will remind you of all of God's mitzvahs. How do they remind us of all of God's mitzvot? Because the word tzitzit is 600 and the word and the, sorry, and the fringes are eight and the knots are five. 613 mitzvot are indicated by this garment. Tzitzit is the garment as well as the, the fringes. The tzitzit actually hang onto the garment and the garment, the beged, all together they are called tzitzit. Because God's mitzvot, that's part of the plan. That's the protection. That's part of the strategy. God's mitzvot make us feel like a soldier, not a victim. And let's look at some of the battles in the world. Let's look at some of the things that we need to face. Just when we've managed one, suddenly there's something else that we need to do. Because each one of us has a tailor-made Yetzer Hara. What's the Yetzer Hara? Well, the Yetzer Hara is a servant of God. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker, and this is 101.9 High FM. And we are talking about going out to do battle. The confidence that one needs to keep going because... We are the foot soldiers. And although the general has given us a strategy and we have our Torah and we have our teachers, the foot soldiers are the ones on the ground. And they are the ones who go into one battle, one skirmish after another. And that is our mandate. And we're tired. But until every last enemy has been either defeated or better yet, captured. Because to destroy, that's one level. But it's much higher when something is captured and turned around and has become united with us in our goal. So in the spiritual world, the physical occupies a lofty place. But it's the spiritual within the physical that is so powerful that it had to come down into this world disguised. Our job and privilege is higher than that of the angels. That we have the privilege to connect with creation, that we live in the world, and yet with 
and understanding that this has a spiritual source, and there's a spiritual goal, and there's a spiritual way to use the garments, to use the food, to use the money, to use our minds, to use our hearts, to use our mouths, to use the physical for spiritual. So there are those who say, the world is a jungle. The world is a battlefield. I will withdraw into the study of Torah. What's going on out there is too scary. That was the generation of the people at Sinai, the people who left Egypt, the people who traveled in the desert and had all their miracles around them and all their physical needs met. They didn't want to go into the land. But the higher level is to encounter the physical, to live normally, to marry, to have children, to go to work, but to use the physical for spiritual, to use food that is carefully prepared in the right way, to honor a Shabbos, to honor a Yontif, to honor a Simcha, and to understand that through that, we are honoring God's name and elevating the physical, to feed the poor, to invite others to your table. We are glorifying God's name and elevating the food. For there is godliness in the food, but it is only when we use it in a particular way that it becomes released. The garments that we wear, they should be a frame for the soul. They should be a statement that God has created this body. And there is a royal king who is our father, and we dress accordingly. That people turn around and they see the dignity of the soul when they see the garments on the body. And money, money that we earn, the money that we earn, if we understand the money as a gift from God. Number one, that he doesn't intend us to use it all for ourselves. We need to keep body and soul together. We need to have a roof over our heads. We need to be clothed. We need to educate our children with the right, proper, sanctified education by teachers who live what they speak, teachers who are inspiration and walking examples of God's will. But the money that we give away to others is counted so greatly in our own merit. What does that mean? So as the Alter Rebbe explains, when a person works, he puts every bit of energy into working his sweat, his blood, his tears. He puts his entire hopes and dreams that he'll be able to earn a living. He puts his energy, he puts his sweat, blood, and tears into earning that cent, into earning that rand. Of course, once he has the money, it can become anything. It can become food, clothing. It can become tuition for his children. It could be a course that he wants to take, a trip he wants to take, books he wants to buy, furniture. It could be for repairs for his house. That coin represents in potential so, so much. And when a person gives it away, 
Hashem counts it as if he gave his sweat, blood, tears, his energy, his, his efforts, and as if he gave the food, the clothing, the shelter, the house repairs, the books, the trip, the course, anything at all that he would have spent that money on himself. So Hashem rewards us greatly when we give to tzedakah. And there are so many worthwhile tzedakahs. And even if we ourselves have nothing to spare, there's somebody who's worse off than us. The amazing thing is that just as God has asked us to wear the tzitzis, which remind us of God's presence all around us, he's asked us to give tzedakah. And both, it's very clear that when we give that tzedakah, God will reward us with much more. He promises. If you're struggling, give a little extra and be amazed at how many doors will suddenly open. God likes to give, but we need to open the door. And he tells us, when you give, I will give you so many, so many times more. So back to the tzitzit that we were speaking about. We were speaking about Shema Yisrael. Understand that Hashem is Echad. He's in charge. He's the unified one. There's nothing outside of him. And he gives us of his infinite power. In addition to that, the ending of the Shema, the way it's been placed, the third part of Shema, Hashem asks Moshe to insist that we wear the tzitzit. Now, of course, women don't, but the men who wear the tzitzit, the husband does it for the wife as well. We know a beautiful teaching that even before husband and wife meet, from the time that a young boy begins to put on tzitzit, in a sense, he's already putting it on for his intended bride. From the time that a bar mitzvah boy puts on tefillin, his future wife isn't putting on tefillin, but he's doing it for her. And it's a beautiful, beautiful idea of the unity between people even before they meet. And that unity between people, that unity between us and God, that unity is always there. It's up to us to access it, to set up those lines reminds me of a beautiful Rebbe Chosid story. And the beautiful story is about a well-known, refined, elderly Chosid who told the story. When he was in his middle years, Reb Mendel Futterfass was exiled to Siberia. It was in the 40s. Things were very, very rough. And Remendel tells the story. Of course, he told it. Obviously, he got out. And he was able to tell the story. He didn't get out till 1964. And it was after many long years in a remote Siberian hard labor camp. And he came to London to his family. And he told about a story that had taken place in the late 1940s. And he said how... Throughout the entire period when they would interrogate him, he said, my head had to be totally focused on what I said. I couldn't think about myself. I couldn't think about anyone else. 
I exclusively had to think about how to behave myself now and at the next interrogation session, what I should say, what I should not say. And it was finally Erev Lagba Omer, and they sentenced me to eight years exile in a gulag. He said, then I began to think a little bit about myself. And then I remembered the words of the previous Rebbe. And the previous Rebbe had once said, after he had left Russia, he left in 1927, he said, as to all those who are still in Russia, and especially to those who are imprisoned there, let them think intensely about me, and I will think intensely about them. So when I remembered that teaching, said Reb Moshe, that's what I did. As soon as I found myself in my cell, I stood in a corner, I closed my eyes, and in my mind's eye I now stood facing my Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, the Rebbe Rayatz. I pictured myself with him at Yechidus, that we were alone in his room. I tried to do that, or at least I pictured that I was writing him a letter telling him about my present predicament. Not until many years later, when I finally left Russia for England, said Reb Mendel, did I discover that on that very same day, that Erev Lagba Omer, the previous Rebbe sent a telegram addressed to me, to my family, who were then in a refugee camp in Austria. And the telegram read, Your telegram was received. And when the telegram first came, my family thought that I'd managed somehow to get out, and I was somewhere out of Russia, and I sent a telegram to the Rebbe, and he now replied. But then they heard I'd been exiled to Siberia. They couldn't understand what this telegram was about. Only when I got to London in 1964 did we all realize that that telegram was the response of the Rebbe to the Echidus, the private audience I had in my cell. How much more so must we remember that Hashem hears us, we can speak to Him when we speak sincerely and from the heart, even if we are in enemy territory, even when this physical world is becoming too much for us. We can turn to Him and let it be with joy and optimism that we send our request to Hashem and that he returns, he answers with great joy as we know how available he is in the month of Elul. With tremendous, tremendous smiling face, he turns to us and grants us our request. A guten Shabbos, a guten Tomid.